Hi friends, I'm Amy Julia Becker, and this is Love is Stronger Than Fear, a podcast about hope and healing in the midst of social division. I'm here today with a solo episode, and it's not going to be too long because I'm here to wrap up this season in which we've walked through the themes of my book, White Picket Fences, Turning Towards Love in a World Divided by Privilege. And I want to talk about what has happened here in the past couple of months in the conversations, the interviews, the thoughts and experiences that have been shared. I looked back and I saw the different list of speakers. I saw the topics that we covered and it felt a little bit overwhelming. I've had a hard time even putting together what I wanted to say here today. Before I get into today's episode, I do want to make one announcement, which is that if you are, especially if you're a Christian, whether or not you are spending a lot of time in church these days and whether or not you've ever participated in an aspect of the church year called Advent, I do want to let you know that I have an Advent ebook. What is Advent? Advent is the couple of weeks before Christmas, and it's a time in the liturgical church year where people are preparing for Christmas morning, preparing for the birth of Jesus, and preparing with expectation that Jesus will come again. So I've put together 25 days of readings, Bible readings, as well as reflections on the season that are intended to just be a balm, a guide, uh, really a comfort and hopefully a companion through what can be a stressful time, even under the best of circumstances. And for those of us living through a global pandemic and all of the social unrest we're experiencing right now, I don't think we're in the best of circumstances. So uh, if you are interested in getting a free copy of this ebook, either as an audiobook form or in ebook form, please head over to my website, amyjuliabecker.com. It should actually come up as a pop-up there, but you also can go to the resources page and download it there for free. I'll mention this again at the end, but I did want to just let you all know that that's available to you, and I'd love for you to share it with other people. Again, I've uh, had this out in different forms over the course of the last couple of years, and people have really appreciated it as a way to find, again, hope and solace, uh, joy even, and a reminder of what Christmas is all about in the midst of the busyness and what can be the stress of it all. So I hope you'll head over there and take a look. But for today, I'm also doing something a little bit different. This is going to be the last episode of this season three of the Love is Stronger Than Fear podcast. And if you've been following along this whole season, I've been talking through the themes of my book, White Picket Fences. It's a book that many of you know is about race and class and disability and ability and privilege and all of the different questions that come up when we examine American life through the lens of the story, my story, of a white, educated, affluent American Christian woman who is married and has kids and including a child with a disability and how I came to acknowledge my own privilege to see the ways that had given me advantages to see the ways that it harmed me and others, and to start to reckon with what does it mean to respond to the reality of privilege in my life? What does it mean to respond with hope and healing instead of shame and fear? That's certainly what the book is about. And in many ways, that's what this podcast has been about. As you all may remember, uh, I'm sure you remember the event that precipitated this podcast. You might not know the connection between the two, but in the end of May, George Floyd was killed by Derek Chauvin. 
And much of the nation watched a video of this police officer kneeling on this man's neck, a white police officer kneeling on the neck of a black man until he died. It was horrifying. It gripped the nation's attention. It led to demonstrations and protests in cities and little towns, including my little town, across the country in an unprecedented wave of response to both the brutality and what almost amounted to casual disregard for the dignity of this human life. After that happened, there was a renewed interest in all books that had to do with race and class and privilege, including mine. And it felt like an opportunity to have some conversations and record them in a way that I had not had the chance to do two years ago when the book came out. And so those events led directly into this season of this podcast, these conversations with men and women, young and old people. uh, I've talked to such an array of people from so many different backgrounds from across the country. And you may remember some of those. You may remember conversations about vulnerability and about what it means to live with Down syndrome, what it means to ask the question of, am I normal? You might remember questions with the historian uh, Jamar Tisby about the complicity of the church in America in racism, or conversations about possibilities for education, for reform in the prison system, Uh, talking to Dominic Gilliard about rethinking incarceration and particularly the idea of restorative justice. You might have heard, I actually had only one person I had two conversations with, and his name is David Bailey. Talk to David at the beginning of the season about what it was like to be a black man growing up in Richmond, Virginia, in the shadow of these huge Confederate monuments that back in June when we spoke were really starting to be in question of whether they should continue to stand in the city. We spoke again last week in the wake of this presidential election when we still didn't even know who was our president. And we talked about what does it mean as Christians to love our enemies to love across political divides, to love across racial, ethnic, religious, and other tribal divides. How do we do that? Talk to people like Andy Crouch and Paul Miller about wealth and power. I talked to my friend Nero Feliciano, who's a uh, social worker and psychotherapist about anxiety and identity. There's so many different conversations that I was able to have. And if you haven't had a chance, I do encourage you to go back and take a look at the list of people and topics that were covered this season. I wanted to end by telling you about my favorites of the season. And then I looked back and I was like, oh, they're all my favorites. Every week I've recorded these conversations. And then on Tuesday morning, I also subscribe to my podcast and I'll listen to the conversation again and I'll get more depth of insight by listening to what these wise people have had to teach me in answering my questions, which I suspect line up with many of your questions as well. I do want to end with a few of my own takeaways, however, and I hope those might be helpful to you. And one of the biggest takeaways really this week in the podcast is a week I'm flipping in my um, white picket fences, my own copy right here. Okay, so chapter 14 in White Picket Fences is called A Reversal. It's a short chapter, and it begins with the question, do you want to get well? You've heard me speak about the harm of privilege and the ways in which privilege harms everyone through isolation, through injustice, and through exclusion. 
And you've heard me talk about what does it mean to have possibilities for healing, but that healing begins with a desire to get well, a desire to get well, but also an acknowledgement that we can't get well on our own. And then that healing power is going to come, yes, in and through us as we participate in the work of healing in this world, but it's going to come from God. It's going to come from outside of ourselves. If you look at many of the books that are written, whether they are religious or secular in this country, many of the books that are written about race and class and privilege are books that have spiritual language embedded within them, sometimes embedded in the titles of the books, right? There are many books in which the idea of the soul of America is at stake when we think about racism. There are others in which the topic of America's original sin in which people refer back to our decision to write enslavement into the law of our land and into our constitution. Sin, the soul, the idea of a reckoning. There's a man named ta Coates, and I may have said this here before, but I think it bears repeating. ta Coates is a man who would say that he's an atheist, and he wrote a really important article years ago for the Atlantic Magazine about reparations. And in it, he says that we need a reckoning. And if we have a national reckoning with the sin of slavery and Jim Crow and housing covenants and all of the different aspects of racism in our country, it will lead to a spiritual renewal. I was so struck when I read those words nearly 10 years ago, whenever he wrote them, that he was calling for a spiritual renewal. There's a sense in which if we just tackle these problems with policies If we just tackle them with to-do steps and practices, we're going to scratch the surface. But if we can get down to that spiritual level, if we can call upon God, the God of love, the God of judgment, the God who names evil, but also who gives us a way to deal with evil, the God who gives us a way to love, to hope, to heal, if we can do that, if we can have a spiritual reckoning, then we can have a spiritual renewal. Spiritual problems call for spiritual solutions. And so I want to end with just four different ways in which I have seen spiritual answers, spiritual healing as possibilities here. The first is this idea of loving your enemies. I've been really um, myself just thinking so much about that conversation with David Bailey in which he reminded me that there are other religions in which we talk about loving God, certainly, and talk about loving ourselves, talk about loving our neighbors. But it's only in Christianity that we have this calling to love our enemies, not just to tolerate, not just to forgive, but to actively love, to seek the well-being of those who are opposed to us. I've been wrestling with what that means for me when I think about people with whom I really disagree ideologically right now. What does it mean for me to not carry disdain or judgment but instead to carry love, to seek to understand, even as I stand firm in many of my own convictions about what I believe is true. Loving my enemies is only going to come from a source outside myself. It's only going to come from an understanding of God's love, from being rooted and established in the love of God and allowing that love to course through me. And so Living in that love is going to come up again and again and again. That love being familiar to me, being home, (laughs) and also being, I just need to be so clear on how abundant that love is 
so that I can have so much for myself that it will just spill over to other people, including those with whom I vehemently (laughs) disagree. The second thing I'll say is that uh, I think many of us are longing for healing and for reconciliation. But as this final chapter of White Picket Fences points to, that type of healing begins with repentance. It begins with confession. It begins with an acknowledgement of sin. I said that somewhat backwards because sometimes that's the way I go. I start with what I want, which is that reconciliation and healing. And I go back and I say, well, I'd need to repent to get there. Oh, I'd need to confess. Oh, I would need to acknowledge the sin. I would need to acknowledge the woundedness. I wrote in chapter 14, a reversal that confession is in some sense a plea for healing, a plea for healing that enables us to move towards a larger work of love. Because these social divisions do emerge from our social separations and from our desires to just protect ourselves and not care for one another. If we can acknowledge that and confess it and turn away from it, repent of it, then we can begin to move towards reconciliation and healing. Some of you may have heard me on a podcast recently with my friend Nero Feliciano, in which we talked a little bit about this idea of reconciliation. And this brings me to my third point, which is from the book Reconciling All Things that came out of the um, Duke Center for Reconciliation. I highly recommend it. In it, they write about how reconciliation, we want it to be fast and global and innocent. We want it to be happening everywhere, quickly, without anyone getting their hands dirty. But they say the reconciliation work is always slow and local and messy. Slow and local and messy. And I would add to that and small. There are so many small things that we are invited into. So few of us will ever be known for the work that we are doing to participate in God's great healing redemption of our world. We will be known by God. We might be known in our local communities. We might not. But if we have the privilege of participating in healing work, we will know the reward of participating in love because we will know that love in a deeper, fuller, and more abundant way ourselves. That brings me to my fourth point that any spiritual solution, any work of reconciliation and healing, any repentance, any confession, any loving of our enemies, it begins and it ends and it is in the middle motivated by love. I had a chance to talk with some people about White Picket Fences who are studying it as a church group right now. And one of them said, you know, there were some things about your book that I thought were kind of simplistic. And I thought he was going to say that he thought my answer, which is the answer is love, is a simplistic one. And we talked for a little bit and I said, you know, I don't think it's simplistic, but I do think it's simple. It's a, it's a simple answer to love, but man, is it hard? And is it complicated to figure out what that means and what that looks like? I want to end this time, which I know has been brief, just to read the ending of the book, White Picket Fences, because I believe it's the appropriate place to end this podcast conversation. And then when I finish reading that, I'm going to talk a little bit more about what's coming in our next season and what's ahead for me. So this is from White Picket Fences. It's the last couple of pages. As I was working on the conclusion for this book, 
I tried to come up with action steps that individuals or communities could take in response to privilege. I tried to write inspirational stories. I even thought about throwing myself into a social justice initiative simply to have a personal anecdote of redemption in these pages. Instead, I find myself chastened and humbled, powerless and vulnerable, waiting with hope that I will be shown a way towards healing. I even thought about throwing myself into a social justice initiative simply to have a personal anecdote of redemption in these pages. Instead, I find myself chastened and humbled, powerless and vulnerable, waiting with hope that I will be shown a way towards healing. The story of privilege in America and the story of privilege in my own life has not come to a satisfying conclusion. But this story has come to a beginning. Brian Stevenson, author of Just Mercy, and a lawyer who defends African-American men serving life sentences or facing the death penalty, said in an interview, we as Christians have an insight on what is on the other side of repentance, what is on the other side of acknowledgement of wrongdoing, which is repair. Confession is a small offering, and yet it is also the foundation of repair. I am one vulnerable, distractible, self-centered human being trying to come to terms with the gifts and sorrows of my life. It will take thousands upon thousands of others who are willing to do the same, to bow our knees and take up a posture of humility, of listening to others instead of insisting on hearing our own voices, of admitting our own complicity and harm, of opening our hands and hearts to healing even when it hurts. Confession is not the end of the story, but it is a position from which people of privilege can lay down the burden of the sin of exclusion, a position from which people of privilege can ask for help in knowing what to do next, a position from which the wounded, both the victims and the perpetrators, can acknowledge their need to get well. Jesus calls on people to confess their sins when he says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. At its root, repent means to turn around, to confess that you are headed in the wrong direction and then to turn your back on that erroneous path and head the other way. For Jesus, confession is only the beginning, the first crucial step on a new journey, a new vista, a new way of being. But, Jesus' call to repentance is not the center of his message. Rather, it is a necessary, preliminary action that leads to the most important pronouncement, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Jesus proclaims God's kingdom, a place where love reigns, where the different peoples and nations of the earth live in love with one another, a place where there is justice and mercy and healing and freedom and repentance, turning away from self, away from anxiety, away from exclusion, is the way to enter that wholeness. Repentance is not about feeling terrible for wrongdoing, but about turning away from everything, including wrongdoing, everything that prevents us from seeing and participating in the good work that God is about. Repentance is an invitation to fullness of life, to a connected life, to a life of hope. When we turn away from ourselves, away from the allure of tribalism, away from the temptation of self-justification, and turn toward love, we begin to construct a vision of the future 
formed and shaped by hope, by the possibilities of unexpected connections, of mutual blessing, of a world made right. Do we want to get well? So that's where the book ends. Do we want to get well? And as many of you know, I then went on to have these awesome conversations with people across the nation about the ways in which people are participating in healing. And so I wrote a little companion book called Head, Heart, Hands that talks about the ways in which people are using their heads, their hearts, and their hands to participate in healing. We've talked about that a little bit this season, but that's what I'm planning to really dive into in the next season of this podcast, conversations with people who have been doing the work to acknowledge harm and participate in healing in a variety of contexts. So if you have not subscribed to this podcast, now's the time. I know that seems weird because it's the end of one season, but that way in probably about two months, uh, mid to late January, when the next season comes out, you'll be a subscriber and it'll just show up in your podcast feed. Another way to know when this season starts would be to subscribe to my newsletter. Again, you can just go to amyjuliabecker.com and you can hit subscribe there. You can go to the contact page and let me know you want to subscribe. Just subscribe somehow so that I know how to be in touch with you. I send a monthly newsletter, so it's not very frequent, but it does keep you informed on what's going on and we'll let you know when this next season begins. I'll also mention one more time that Advent book, which is hopefully a really wonderful resource for the season of Advent and Christmas. And that also is available on my website. And I'd love for you to share that with other people. And finally, if you've been listening along throughout the season and you're willing, now that we're coming to the end, to take five minutes and rate this podcast or give it a review, that's a big help, especially since I am going to take a break and come back in a matter of months. But I also just want to say one more exciting thing, which is that I'm working on a new book. I have had this book in my heart for years now, and working on White Picket Fences has only made it more important to me to get this book out into the world. It is a book about healing and about the relationship between personal and social healing. So I'm sure I will have lots more to tell you about that in the months to come, but that is why I'm going to pause on the podcast for a couple of months to get the book more underway. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for the work that you're doing in your own lives, in your own heads and hearts and hands, in your own communities. I've gotten to hear from many of you along the way as far as which conversations have prompted you to different thoughts and actions, and it has been such a gift to me. So please feel free to let me know uh, about those again. I do, as always, want to thank Breaking Ground for co-hosting this podcast, Jake Hansen for editing it, Amber Beery, my social media coordinator for all that she does. And I want to thank you again for listening. And finally, as you go into your day today, once again, I will say this, I hope and pray that you carry with you the peace that comes from believing that love is stronger than fear.